The K-Hive is after me, or should I say the hashtag K-Hive is after me. So Kamala Harris has this personal army. It's, it's, it's basically like a fan club of trolls online, and they go after, they just rapidly attack anybody who contradicts or opposes Kamala Harris in any way, shape, or form. And they are after me today. I want to talk about that, but first I want to talk about what's happening in California. Gavin Newsom, at a football game, was photographed without a face mask. Now, you can see this photo on the screen here. This is Governor Gavin Newsom of the state of California and Magic Johnson taking a photograph without a face mask. You can contrast this to what's happening in the state of California right now. Newsom issued a mask mandate for the entire state that requires children, babies, toddlers as young as three years old in schools to have their faces covered. I mean, we're talking literally tots here with face coverings just strapped to their face. It's it's inhumane. It's horrible. And yet Gavin Newsom goes to a football game and doesn't wear a mask. Now, this is something that we have seen in the course of this entire COVID-19 experience. We have seen over and over and over again, Gavin Newsom himself, of course, at the French Laundry, the restaurant, attending this restaurant without a mask as he has shut down other restaurants and um, forced other people to wear masks. We've seen this with mayors all across the country. We've seen governors, obviously all Democrats, who have issued draconian mandates and then violate them themselves. The Mayor Bowser of DC, the mayor of San Francisco. The list actually goes on and on and on here. The funniest part about this, after you set aside your rage for a moment, your righteous indignation, the funniest part of this is Newsom addressed this in a press conference and attempted to defend himself, but there's one huge glaring problem in his defense. Take a listen to this. As it relates to your correct, I was very judicious yesterday, uh, very judicious, and you'll see the photo that I did take um, where Magic was kind enough, generous enough to ask me for a photograph, and in my left hand's the mask, and I took a photo. Uh, the rest of the time, I wore it. Uh, as we all should, uh, not when I had a glass of water or a thing, and I uh, encourage everybody else to do so, and, uh, and that's it. Gosh, don't, I, I can't even with this. He's actually turning this around to try to tell us to wear face masks after he was caught at a football game not wearing a face mask. The audacity. There's a reason, the best insult that I have ever devised is calling Newsom the tyrant King Gavin because he is acting exactly like a tyrant. He is acting exactly like the tyrant King George. Um, here's the thing though. There is another video, thanks to social media and citizen journalists everywhere. There is another video or another video from the Bud Light fan cam at the game that shows and proves demonstrably that Newsom is a horrible liar. Take a look at this. As you can see, the camera zooms up on Gavin Newsom sitting in his seat. This was not a moment that he took his mask off to take a picture with Magic Johnson, who asked him, Gavin Newsom wants you to know, he wants you to understand that his ego is so large that Magic Johnson asked him for a photograph. No, no, this is him sitting in his seat with his face mask dangling from his ear. And there are many photographs and other videos that prove this. Gavin Newsom is a liar. He is a tyrant. I said this on March 19th of 2020, when Gavin Newsom first locked down the state of California, I tweeted out, Gavin Newsom is insane. Because you have to be insane to intentionally wreck 
the economy and violate the freedoms of your entire state. And the tweet went viral when I listed how people in California, I lived in California at the time, how people felt. They were angry that their businesses were being closed down. They were angry that their churches were being closed. They were angry that their kids' schools were shut down. And I said, Gavin Newsom is a tyrant. He's insane to do this. Well, fast forward two years, Gavin Newsom is still a tyrant. He is still insane. And here's the thing, let me tell you. I have a lot of friends in California still, and a lot of moms have reached out to me. Moms of school-aged children whose preschoolers and kindergartners, you know, three, four, five, six-year-olds, little children are being forced to wear masks when they go to school. And these moms are pissed. These moms, some of which, some of whom I should say, aren't even that political. They are angry. They are ready to fight back against Gavin Newsom. And I, I know there's a lot of people, a lot of conservatives online who are saying to Californians right now, well, you had your chance. You could have recalled Gavin Newsom and you didn't. Well, let me just say, it is not too late. Get rid of this tyrant. Vote him out once and for all. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. All right, let's talk about the K-Hive. The K-Hive is waging an attack or an online pylon on me right now. And I just thought it would be fun to break this down. But first, let's talk about my Patriot Supply. Friends, one of the biggest problems that all Americans will face in 2022 is runaway food prices. But I have a solution that you're going to love. Get yourself some long-term storage emergency food from my Patriot Supply, America's largest emergency food provider. Hands down, this is the most affordable way to buy emergency food, and the food is delicious. So get the four-week emergency food kit, which provides breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks. Right now, you can save $50 on each four-week kit that you order if you go to my special URL. That's preparewithliz.com. Preparewithliz.com. Pick up one kit for each person in your family, and then you can laugh at the sky-high food prices at the grocery store. But don't wait. Go to preparewithliz.com right now. That's preparewithliz.com. You and I aren't stupid. We can look at the shelves. We can look at these empty shelves thanks to Biden. That's why on Twitter, empty shelves Biden has trended off and on over the last couple of weeks. We know that Biden is the one responsible for neglecting to fix the supply chain crisis. But that supply chain crisis hurts us. It makes our food more expensive. Don't suffer that. Go to preparewithliz.com right now. Preparewithliz.com. Okay, so let's talk about the K-Hive. What is the K-Hive? The K-Hive is Kamala Harris's personal toxic army online, basically online trolls. It's, it's basically a fan club of Kamala Harris. And their, their purpose seems to be they engage or engage is actually too nice of a word. They attack. They attack anybody online who criticizes Kamala Harris. And just to put this into perspective, you all remember the Bernie bros from 2016, the primary of 2016, the Democratic primary, and how nasty they were to anybody online who criticized Bernie Sanders. Well, the hashtag K-Hive makes the Bernie bros look mild. In fact, there have been Bernie uh, Sanders supporters from Bernie Sanders' own staff who have criticized the K-Hive for how toxic and how mean they are. Uh, particularly, they're mean to David Sirota, who is an advisor to Bernie Sanders. Now, Kamala Harris, she can't really distance herself from this toxic gang online because she herself has thanked them. She thanked them, and her husband, Doug, has actually called members of the K-Hive to express his thanks. Likewise, Joe Biden has thanked the K-Hive, not exactly by name, but this is what Biden has said. He said, quote, if I have her team behind me, 
I know there's no stopping us. And when he refers to her team, he's talking about the K-Hive here. Now, the, their name, this, this hashtag K-Hive, is a ripoff, really, of Beyonce. So Beyonce also has this online fan club. They call themselves the Beehive, based on her name, Beyonce. And so they've ripped that off and called themselves the K-Hive here. Sometimes they even hashtag K-Hive, so it's not even, it's not any kind of derogatory term that other people have labeled them. They have, they have owned this. They have named themselves or labeled themselves the K-Hive. Um, and when, when I'm talking toxicity, when I'm talking how mean they are, how nasty they are in their attacks, even Marianne Williamson, who was in the Democratic primary in 2020, asked Kamala Harris directly to tell the K-Hive to, quote, stand back and stand by because they're just so so horrendously mean. Now, you might be wondering why I'm smiling, and the reason for that is because some of the things they say are just so atrociously outrageous. It is actually humorous that this is how this is how an adult would behave in our country. But they they also peddle a lot of the debunked, the broken, the false, the biased, even the racist tropes that come from the Democratic Party. So I thought this would be a good a good opportunity to debunk what's going on here so that this, this doesn't come become part of the Democratic Party. In fact, one member of the K-Hive actually admits that they are hostile and toxic, but this is how they justify their meanness. They say, quote, if the K-Hive seems to be hostile or toxic, we have every right to be after dealing with the constant misogyny and blatant racism. Sounds like a lovely bunch, don't they? Here's the thing. As always, if there actually is racism, if there are particular instances of racism in this country, of course, I'm happy to stand next to anybody and decry that racism, decry that racial discrimination, decry, if it's a crime, speak out for legal consequences for that crime specifically. And if it's individual racism that isn't a crime, to speak out against that character flaw, that sin. However, the K-Hive as with the 1619 Project or critical race theory or the rest of the Democratic Party, they claim that every white person is racist or a purveyor of white supremacy just based on the fact that they have white skin, based on the fact that they were born a white person, which is obviously ridiculous. So the, the reason that this attack was levied on me online is because this is what I tweeted after... Um, after Breyer, Supreme Court Justice Breyer announced that he was retiring, Biden, of course, said, well, I'm going to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. This was a promise that he had made, dur made during the campaign, but he is making good on this promise. And so this is what I tweeted. I said, it's insulting to women to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court because she's a black woman. This is tokenism times two. All women should reject this. Otherwise, how are women supposed to know if they are hired based on qualifications or to fill a gender quota? Biden is harming women. Now, of course, this is um, 280 characters. This is a tweet length of a much longer thought. And the much longer thought is, imagine a workplace where there are 20 people in the boardroom, for example, and there are 10 women and 10 men. And this happens organically. This is just the person who was the most qualified for the position was hired and it was 10 of each gender with you know, a representation of different races and all other immutable characteristics. Okay, that's fine. Nobody's sitting there wondering, was this other person hired because they're qualified or were they hired based on a gender quota or a racial quota? But if you have this, the, if you have these quotas, and it is 
similar to affirmative action, right? It's, it's okay to call this affirmative action. But if you have affirmative action at these high levels, whether it's in the private sector, but dictated by the government, or whether it's in the public sector, all the way up to the Supreme Court, th this is fundamentally harmful to the progress that women have made in our nation and to the progress that black people have made in our nation. And yes, the progress that black women have made in our nation. Because I know I don't want to be in a situation like the state of California right now where there are gender quotas for corporate boards. Because then if you have a corporate board that is made of 10 people and seven are men and three are women, then those seven men are going to sit there and they're going to wonder, are these women smart? Are these women capable? Were these women hired or appointed to this board based on their qualifications? Do they deserve to be here? And that's an, that's an insult to women. Now, I don't blame them for thinking that because perhaps the women were put in that position based just on their agenda and or just on their gender and not based on their resume. And that's the same. You can you can apply this to race too. If you have racial quotas, then you're going to wonder, other people are going to wonder, okay, well, was this person promoted or hired or appointed or nominated based on their qualifications or just based on a quota? And what's perhaps even worse is that the individuals themselves women on corporate boards in California or a black woman on the Supreme Court based on a promise to appoint a black woman because she's a black woman are going to wonder, did we actually earn our spot here? And that's horrendous. That's so damaging. Imagine passing this idea down to the next generation, to our daughters and our granddaughters and telling them this idea, it's, it's not anymore an idea of you can work hard and you can build a resume and you can earn your spot. It's now, well, based on your gender, gender, you can perhaps be part of a shortcut. You deserve special treatment. And if, if you do the same thing as a man, it's really not necessary. You don't have to work as hard because you can just use your DNA or your genitalia to get the job that you want. This is, this is a very harmful, very toxic idea for our country. And most of the country, by the way, agrees with me. We'll get to that in a second. But one of the leaders of the K-Hive, her name is Shantae Berry, and she goes on Twitter under the username I am Shantizi. Shantae Berry uh, quote tweeted my tweet, the one about it's insulting to women to nominate a black woman, it's tokenism times two. And she said, Liz Wheeler is exposing her racial bias. How? What? No, obviously not. That's that's completely inaccurate. And before we even get into debunking it, she actually issued a, or she published on Twitter, an audio, an audio, well, I, I hesitate to call it a takedown because I'll let you listen to it yourself, but an audio response to my tweet. Take a listen to this. Right-wing media pundit Liz Wheeler responded to a tweet that I quoted from her original tweet saying this, did you read what I wrote? It's insulting and harmful to women to be hired based primarily on our gender. As a woman, I reject gender quotas. Likewise, we should reject race quotas. Tokenism is incredibly demeaning and we should want equality, not special treatment. First of all, President Biden literally campaigned on nominating the first black woman to the Supreme Court. If she would have listened, she would have understand. But there was no issue 40 years ago when then-candidate Ronald Reagan ran on nominating the first woman to the Supreme Court. It so happened that she was a white woman, so y'all didn't care, but 40 years later, y'all actually give a This is why, like, I do not respect the Grand Insurrectionist Party because it's white women like Liz Wheeler that makes it bad 
for me to trust white women as an ally. So I would like for Liz, since she found out, to continue to spew her right-wing racist rhetoric and carry in the water for the white supremacist men that she continues to defend because she's nothing but a defender to white supremacy. And that is that. So when I say, did you read what I wrote? I mean, maybe she did. Maybe she did, but it certainly doesn't seem like she understood what I wrote because it is insulting. It is harmful to women to be treated as tokens, to be treated as gender tokens or racial tokens. This obviously is not racism. Nobody thinks that it's racism except for you know, very radical leftists who think that people are racist based on their DNA and the amount of melanin in their skin, which is such a racist idea in and of itself. But two things that I want to address here. First of all, Ronald Reagan did appoint a woman to the Supreme Court. He nominated, I should say, a woman to the Supreme Court because she was a woman, Sandra Day O'Connor. And two things that we should note about this. First of all, this is the this is the words. These are the words that Reagan used when he was preparing to nominate O'Connor. Take a listen to this. Really pointed out during my campaign for the presidency, I made a commitment that one of my first appointments to the Supreme Court vacancy would be the most qualified woman that I could possibly find. Now, this is not to say that I would appoint a woman merely to do so. That would not be fair to women, nor to future generations of all Americans whose lives are so deeply affected by decisions of the court. Rather, I pledge to appoint a woman who meets the very high standards that I demand of all court appointees. What did Reagan admit? What did Reagan admit? He admitted that choosing a woman based on the fact that she's a woman, meaning using gender as the determinative factor in nominating this woman was a disservice to women. He literally admitted that. It also shows us, look at what happens when you nominate someone based on an immutable characteristic, when you nominate them as a token to the Supreme Court. Sandra Day O'Connor was a terrible Supreme Court justice. The right, the entire conservative party, the entire conservative movement and Republican party look at Sandra Day O'Connor and say, yeah, that's an example of when a Republican did it wrong. So I have, I have absolutely no problem sitting here and saying, yeah, Ronald Reagan did it wrong there. He picked this woman based on her gender, not based on her qualifications, and as a result, she was a very leftist, especially on abortion and on family issues, a very leftist Supreme Court justice. She was terrible. So this is the difference between conservatives and liberals or Democrats and, and Republicans is Republicans have no problem criticizing somebody who is a member of our own party or our own movement. Democrats are the ones that want to sick a swarm of K-Hive members on you if you dare to disagree with one of their candidates. Ronald Reagan should not have done that just like Joe Biden shouldn't do it now. So this is not the gotcha that the left thinks it is. Not, not even close. Not even close here. Um, also, Shantae accuses me of carrying water for white men. And the, how do I even say this? Okay, right now, Jay Hay is hooting in my ear because um, he says, he says, I've never carried any water for him. He's the one who always carries all the water around here, which, you know, is more or less accurate here. But th this is what the left does. They have no substantial answer to our arguments. I'm happy to have a civil conversation, a debate with Shantae. That's why I responded to her when she just said that I was 
demonstrating racial bias or whatever, but this is what they do. They don't respond with any substance. They just respond with accusations that you are a white supremacist, accusations that you are somehow subservient to men or that you carry water for white men. That, that's not in fact true, but if you wanna talk about racism, let's talk about racism because there is racism that is happening right now, right here in this conversation between Shantae and I, and it's not coming from me. The racism is coming from her. So she responded in word form as well to my tweet. When I said, did you read what I wrote? It's insulting and harmful to women to be hired based primarily on our gender. As a woman, I reject gender quotas. Likewise, we should reject race quotas. Tokenism is incredibly to me. We should want equality, not special treatment. This is what she said. She said, I read your tweet. Honestly, it's absolutely BS. What you didn't understand, Liz, is that black women have long been denied to serve in the highest chambers and offices in our government since the birth of this country. Of course, that doesn't matter to you, right? End quote. Here's what I would say. I would repeat what I said before. Give me the name of a woman in our government who is being denied a position based on the color of her skin. And I will stand next to you. I will use this platform and my Twitter platform. I will, to the millions of people that follow me all over social media, I will stand next to you and decry that, of course, because that's wrong. But the, the fact of the matter is there is not an individual woman in our government or an individual woman who aspires to serve in our government who is being denied that opportunity based on the color of her skin not on the institutional level, not on the individual level. There is a history of discrimination in our country, discrimination against women, discrimination against black people. No one's trying to deny that. But right now, the circumstance that we're talking about right now is Joe Biden nominating a person to the Supreme Court and he says he's doing so based on her gender and based on the color of her skin. The front runners, which we'll discuss in a second, the front runners that for this appointment are not being discriminated against. They don't need affirmative action. They don't need affirmative action in order to succeed. In fact, they're already very successful. They should find it insulting. They should find it insulting that they would be elevated based on the color of their skin and not based on their work history and their resume and their intellectual achievements here. So that's the first thing. But here's the other argument that I wanna address. She goes, she goes, I'll read this tweet in just a second, but first I want to talk to you about home title lock. Did you know that somebody can steal your house without you knowing until it's basically too late? The crime itself is called home title theft. This is how it works. The deed to your home is the only document that proves that you own your home. Now, the reason this crime is a new crime is because all the deeds to your home are now online. So a scammer can steal your deed just by finding it online forging your signature and refiling as the new owner of your home. Then he'll take out loans using your home's equity and leave you in debt. You won't even know until collection notices show up on bank loans that you never took out, which is why you need HomeTitleLock.com. America's leader in home title protection. Home Title Lock monitors the deed of your home and notifies you if anybody tries to access your deed. Homeowner's insurance doesn't cover home title theft and neither do common identity theft programs. Home Title Lock Dot com is your peace of mind that the deed to your home is protected. So if you visit hometitlelock.com slash Liz and use promo code Liz for your 60-day money-back guarantee, that's hometitlelock.com slash Liz and use promo code Liz for a 60-day money-back guarantee, hometitlelock.com slash Liz and use promo code Liz. It's time to make sure that your home is safe and this is how to do it. Okay, so the other argument coming from the K-Hive right now is that I'm being, the accusation is that I'm being a hypocrite. And this is obviously false and we can prove this very easily. So uh, Shantae says, since Liz Wheeler called nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court tokenism, here are her tweets glorifying the Trump's nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. 
So she scrolled through my Twitter feed, apparently, and pulled tweets from almost from a year and a half ago when President Trump nominated Amy Coney Barrett. And it's, it's actually very funny because the tweets that she pulled, she claims are making a point about, or claims substantiate her point that I was happy a white woman was nominated, but actually they prove my point. Let's read them. So this is what I tweeted on October 17th of 2020. I said, I am lolling laughing out loud, watching the hashtag Women's March 2020. Imagine pretending you champion women, but protesting Amy Coney Barrett. Barrett. She is a law professor, a federal judge, a former Supreme Court clerk, happily married, mother of seven, seven, and a Supreme Court nominee. But the left hates her because they love abortion more. Okay, so what am I talking about in this tweet? I am talking about not her gender, not her race. I'm talking about her qualifications, her qualifications. The second tweet, is from the 13th of October of 2020. And I say, Judge Barrett is perfectly professional, but good to know you leftist. This was a response to a leftist. Judge her on her totally acceptable clothing and not her resume. It's funny that you accuse her of being handmaid's tale while trying to force her into your rigid dress code. So again, what am I talking about? I'm talking about her qualifications and her resume. What's the left talking about? Well, the left was talking about her gender and her clothing choices, which are normal clothing choices. I can't ever remember anything that she wore sticking out in my mind, which means that it was probably just your normal, boring, judicial judicial dress code here. Third tweet. On November 26, 2020, and by the way, I have changed my mind on this for a totally different reason. I tweeted, I am thankful today for Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Now, you know my, you know my beef with Amy Coney Barrett now. We'll see how she rules in, in, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, the abortion case that could take down Roe. I pray that she takes down Roe. But why did I tweet, I'm thankful today for Justice Amy Coney Barrett? Is it because she's a woman? Is it because of her white skin? No, 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 no. I am thankful, or I was in November of 2020 for Amy Co- for Justice Amy Coney Barrett because she was conservative, because she's a constitutionalist, or I thought she was, because she is certainly on the right of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whose seat she was taking, who she was replacing on the bench. So when when Shantae claims that, is this not tokenism? The answer to that is no, it's not. Because the only reason that I ever supported Amy Coney Barrett was because of her resume, because of her achievements, because of what I thought was a constitutional conservative jurisprudence. Now, all of those things that I just mentioned, her achievements, her resume, and her jurisprudence have nothing to do with her gender whatsoever, have nothing to do with her skin color whatsoever. They are exactly how she'll rule. In fact, I don't even like in this country that I guess we are as familiar in the celebrity sense with Supreme Court justices as we are, that they have, that we know their personalities, that we are familiar with their take with, yeah, their personalities. That's a good way to put it. Their personalities, because all I care about is how they vote. All I care about is whether they are upholding the constitution and holding the other two branches of government at bay, whether the Supreme Court and the justices who sit on the bench are fulfilling their duty as a balance against the executive and the legislative branch of our government. And again, that has nothing to do with skin color. That has nothing to do with gender. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing whatsoever to do with anything other than your jurisprudence. And your jurisprudence is oftentimes informed by your academic achievements or your or your resume at least illustrates to us what your jurisprudence is. That's that's all I care about when it comes to the Supreme Court here. But again, let's get to the racism. Let's talk about the racism here because the K-Hive 
as uh, Shantae continues to tweet about this, the K-Hive continues to pile on. And these are, these are some of the tweets that I've received in the last day and a half. Quote, you don't seem to know what equality means, Karen. This is actually a really interesting tweet to respond to because let's talk about equality for a second. So what equality is, is actually being contradicted by what the left is advocating for here. Equality means equal opportunity. It means equal opportunity under the law, equal protection of the law. It means that you are not denied the opportunity to achieve something based on an immutable characteristic, that you do not face institutional legal discrimination based on your gender or your race or any your religion or any other immutable characteristic. What equity means, what equity means, that's what we're seeing right now from the Biden administration is equity. Equity means they want to make sure that every person has equal outcome. Now, what happens? I've said this, I, I've talked about this many times before, but what happens when you force equal outcome? Well, when you force equal outcome, what happens is you are forced to discriminate against somebody because naturally, people don't end up in the same place. I'm never going to be an NBA star, for example, but it's not because I face institutional gender or racial discrimination. It's simply because I have no talent at basketball. And in this case, I guess I should say WNBA, but it's not discrimination when someone achieves something to a higher level than you do, or whether when their resume is more qualified than you are, and therefore they are hired instead of you. No, that's simply reality of how it works in our world. That's the reality of human nature. We all know this. We, this, is, this is something that is objectively true. It's not even a political thing, except the left is trying to make it a political thing. They're trying to force equal outcome instead of protecting equal opportunity. And when you force equal outcome, you are forced to discriminate against someone. So if you are trying to force equal outcome based on characteristics like race or gender, then you are forced to discriminate against other people based on those same characteristics, based on race and gender. So essentially what the left is doing right now, what the K-Hive is advocating for is racial discrimination. They want individuals, it's racial and sexual discrimination actually. They want individuals to be eliminated from consideration based only on the color of their skin and their gender. They don't want other qualified individuals to be considered because of their skin color and their gender. And so what is that called when you refuse to hire someone, not because they're not qualified for a position, but just based on what they look like, just based on the color of their skin, just based on their gender. Well, that's called discrimination. That's called racial discrimination. That's called gender discrimination. And that's exactly what, at this high level, that's what affirmative action is. Affirmative action at this point in our country's history is racial discrimination. It's discrimination against people who might be qualified, who at least deserve the opportunity to apply for and be considered for the position, whether it's in a corporate boardroom, whether it's at a university, in a university admissions process, or whether it is for a seat on the bench of the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Okay, so that's the first thing. This is the racial discrimination. So when I say there is racism in this conversation, there is. The racism is coming from the K-Hive. They are advocating for a racial policy that discriminates on the basis of race against other people that they don't like. They go on. Another member of the K-Hive goes, the problem is when these fake, woke, white feminists... I guess, is he referring to me? Has he never listened to me? Calling me a feminist? Please don't insult me. The problem is when these fake woke white feminists who couldn't even help get Hillary elected think they are qualified to speak for black women on this. You can't and you don't stay in your lane. You don't even know what true sisterhood is. So Hillary is actually another perfect example of this. Hillary Clinton should not have been elected 
as the first female president because she was a terrible candidate. She's corrupt. She is so corrupt, it's hard to look past that. She's a liar. She's very radically leftist. She is, even Democrats don't like Hillary Clinton, not because she's a woman, but because she's a bad person. She's a bad person, a corrupt politician, and no one wanted her to be the most powerful person in the country, not based on her skin color, not based on her gender, based on the content of her character. The content of her character. So yeah, no, I didn't help Hillary get elected. Obviously not because I don't want Hillary to be in office. It has nothing to do with her skin color or her race. But th this, is, this is the radical left. They are so into identity politics. They are so obsessed with identity politics that they think that there's some kind of loyalty, not to a political policy, not to a set of principles, but to skin color. This is an evil notion that we have just about overcome in our nation until the radical left of the last five years have ushered this idea of identity politics, racial identity politics back into our country, and it's disgusting. Now, let's get to the toxic part. The toxic part, this is also plays into the racism. This is extremely racist. This is what one of the members of the K-Hive, and this was endorsed, this was endorsed actually by Shantae Berry, and I'll read it to you in just a second. But first, I wanna to talk to about Nutrafol. So we all know that half of the people who watch my show are balding men. Yes, you. You know who you are. Well, I have good news for you today. There is a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. It's called Nutrafol. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. It's made of 21 potent natural ingredients that support sex drive, better sleep, and less stress too. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. That's why Nutrafol is recommended by 1,500 top doctors. So you can grow thicker, healthier hair, and you can support our show, win-win, by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Liz to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere. It's only available to U.S. customers and for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Liz. $15 off if you use my promo code at Nutrafol.com. Nutrafol.com promo code Liz. Okay, so the, the other aspect of racism. So basically, if we're talking about the two types of racism, institutional racism, which would mean that on an institutional legal basis, there are laws that discriminate against people based on the color of their skin. That's institutional racism. And then we have individual racism, which means an individual has an evil, sinful ideology where they look demeaningly on another person based on their race. And we have eradicated institutional racism from our country, thank God. Of course, we started our country with institutional racism codified into the laws of our land in a contradiction of our founding documents. Um, we cannot eradicate in individual racism because individual racism is a sin. We can discourage it, we can squash it, we can debunk it, but man, mankind is fallen and because we're fallen, we are all sinners. Racism is a sin. We are never going to completely eradicate it. And the K-Hive has demonstrated in their pylon of me, they have demonstrated both institutional racism or their preference for institutional racism and their individual racism. Their institutional racism is they want people 
to be hired based on immutable characteristics. They want a black woman to be nominated to the Supreme Court based only on her gender and on her race, or based primarily on her gender and race, which again is tokenism, but it's also racial discrimination against anybody of any other race or any other skin color. So that's the institutional part. The individual part is this K-Hive is just, as individuals, they're absolutely racist. They're absolutely demeaning. They're absolutely toxic towards other individuals who have white skin like me. I'm not going to be vague here. They're being racist towards me. This is what um, a member of the K-Hive said to me. Baby, when folks go low, I go to hell. F her and her armadillo crocodile skin. So that's not only a racist insult, it's a <laughs> weird racist insult. The thing is, the leader, one of the leaders of the K-Hive, Shantae Berry, she responded to that racist insult and said, word, she endorsed this racist insult. So yeah, there is racism in this conversation, and the racism is coming from the K-Hive. Again, let's just be very clear. When Joe Biden nominates a black woman to the Supreme Court because she is black and because she is a woman, not because she's qualified for the position, that is tokenism. It absolutely is tokenism times two. It's racial discrimination against everyone else of every other skin color who would be qualified to be considered for the position and that's racism, that's abject racism. We should reject this in our country. This hurts women. It reduces everybody to the amount of melanin in their skin. It hurts women, it reduces them to what, their reproductive organs, to the DNA, to their DNA that it determines whether they're male or female. And you, you have to ask, you have to ask, what happened to Martin Luther King Jr.'s idea that people should be judged based on the content of their character and not the color of their skin? Because what the K-Hive and the radical left are doing is exactly opposite. They're ignoring the content of someone's character, ignoring their achievements, ignoring their resume, ignoring their qualifications, and wanting them promoted and treated in a special way based on the color of their skin, which requires requires, if you give special treatment to someone based on an immutable characteristic that requires you to discriminate against someone who has perhaps the opposite immutable characteristic, black skin, white skin, male, female. It requires racism. It hurts women. It hurts our country. This, this of course, is classic identity politics. It's destructive. But the thing is, the hypocritical part here is that the left doesn't even fully follow their own identity politics prescription. And what I mean by this is if a black person does not adhere to radical leftist ideology, then the radical left wants no such affirmative action applied to that black person. You can talk about John James, you can talk about Mia Love, you can talk about Clarence Thomas, since we're talking about the Supreme Court actually is a perfect example of this. The radical left doesn't want them promoted doesn't want those black people to be recognized, doesn't want those black people elevated to positions of power or influence in our government. No, no. In fact, the radical left engages in racist attacks against these people because what matters the most at the end of the day is the worldview, is the principles, are the politics, the character of these individuals. And Democrats, of course, are horrible racists who think that they control people based, control people's thoughts based on the color of their skin. They think they have this monopoly over black people's minds based on the fact that black people have black skin, which is so fundamentally insulting. It's hard to even address this. It's abject racism. It's demeaning to, to generalize every black person and assume that they think the same way based on the color of their skin. There's nothing actually more racist and insulting than that. A Supreme Court nomination should be about that person's jurisprudence. It should be about 
how they will rule. It should be about their loyalty and adherence to constitutional principles. And that's why the vast majority of America agrees with what I said today and disagrees with the K-Hive and disagrees with what Biden is doing. In fact, a new ABC poll that was released on Sunday showed that 76% of the American people, 76% want the president to consider all possible nominees and not to limit the people he's considering just based on gender or just based on race. 76%. It's pretty hard, by the way, if you look at any political issue, it's pretty difficult to find that kind of consensus. 76% of people think that Biden should not nominate a Supreme Court justice based only on gender and race. So I was having a pretty interesting discussion about Justice Breyer and his retirement with my producer recently, and we were discussing this attitude among conservatives, actually, not even the liberal aspect of this, but this attitude among conservatives to just accept or write off this new liberal liberal vote that's going to be on the Supreme Court because Biden obviously is going to nominate a very radical leftist justice. The, the split of the Senate right now, it's 50-50, but the tie-breaking vote is Kamala Harris, unfortunately. And both Manchin and Cinema, even though they are a little bit more moderate of Democrats than the rest of the Democratic Party, they have already signaled that they're willing to um, vote in favor of whoever essentially Biden nominates here. So we're having this discussion. Is whoever, is this new justice, this new nominee going to be just a one-to-one -one replacement for Breyer, in which case, you know, should Republicans waste political capital on pushing back against this, this nominee? And I think the answer to that is absolutely. First of all, the idea of political capital, of there being a finite amount of political capital is nonsense. In our 24-7 social media um, extravagance. I mean, you're just, it's, it's like a fire hose of news constantly from social media. This, this outrage culture in politics where we're just getting one headline after another, after another. I don't even believe in the idea of political capital anymore. I think that you have in a sense, in a sense, unlimited political capital, if you are smart with it, if you are strategic with it. So I don't believe that conservatives have to pick and choose battles based on based on characteristics that would lead them to think that they would automatically win that battle. You don't have to pick a battle just because you think that it is a done deal that you have won before you started. No, conservatives should fight all the fights. They have plenty of political capital for it. And so th there's part of the legacy of Justice Breyer. He's actually a justice. And I say this with no disrespect personally to him, but he doesn't have much of a legacy, meaning he's not He's not fiery and clever and witty like Scalia. He's not, you know, a goat like Justice Thomas. He's not a squish like Roberts. He's not like Sotomayor, who's a partisan, who's a, a partisan, a divisive partisan, I should say. He's not, he doesn't have a legacy like Ruth Bader Ginsburg for being a feminist on the court. He doesn't really have a distinctive legacy. And so I'm, I'm reading through his rulings and his dissents to try to find what was his niche? What was, what did he care about? Was he actually the moderate that the left is claiming that he was? And the answer to that is no, he wasn't a moderate. He actually didn't agree with the conservative wing of the court basically ever. Except in, except in cases where the votes were essentially unanimous or unanimous, he was very reliably liberal. He was, he was a very, he was a leftist on the court here. So he actually, his jurisprudence, he, it was, it was absurd in a sense. He had no jurisprudence. He thought of himself, he called himself a pragmatist, which means that he thought his judgment should be exercised over what 
cases were being argued in front of him when we know that Supreme Court justices, their their role and their responsibility isn't to exercise their own judgment. It is to apply their interpretation of the Constitution to the statutes or the appeals or the cases and arguments being made in front of them. Breyer had no such jurisprudence. So he thought of himself as a pragmatist and a little bit of a negotiator behind the scenes in the court. And the only, the only area I will add, the only area where Breyer might be just an inch, just a smidge towards the center compared to you know, the squad or the defund the police wing of the Democratic Party is on criminal procedure and Fourth Amendment search and warrant. Breyer was, like I said, just a hair, just a step closer to the middle than the rest of the Democratic Party. But no, he thought of himself as a bargain maker. Now, the problem that I have with thinking about Supreme Court justices as bargain makers or them thinking of themselves as good negotiators is if you have a jurisprudence, you shouldn't be bargaining. Bargaining is inherently political, right? It's inherently a political thing to say, you want this and I want this, so let's meet in the middle and try to satisfy both of our agendas. That's a political thing. But interpretation of the Constitution is not or should not be a political bargain. It should be, you should interpret the Constitution through a lens of originalism, if you are a good jurist, perhaps textualism, if you're almost a good jurist, if you're a good one, but not a great one. Um, But no, Breyer had no such jurisprudence, so he thought of himself as a negotiator. And this is is a lens through which we should look at Biden's shortlist of nominees as well. Because Kagan, for example, on the court is known as a really good negotiator behind the scenes. In fact, there's a joke amongst the Supreme Court crew, if you will, not not a very complimentary one to Roberts. They don't call it the Roberts court, they call it the Kagan court because Kagan is known to be very good at convincing the squishes, whether it's Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, or Roberts, to think the way that she thinks or to bring them more towards the center and away from the right. Um, you can contrast that with Sotomayor, who's known to be a partisan hack and nobody listens to her, even though she's very far to the left here. But if you look at Biden's short list here, we have what is the front runner of the front runners. Her name is Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, she is from the DC Circuit Court. Now she is very, she's very lefty. She is very far left, a very far left liberal, not someone that I would want on the Supreme Court, certainly someone whose jurisprudence I disagree with. She's maybe a living constitutionalist, the same as Breyer would be. They don't view the document as the way it was intended or written by the founders. They think it's something to be altered and changed as the times dictate, meaning they think that they should impose their own opinion on it. Um, The thing about Ketanji Brown Jackson is that she's not known to be very good at negotiating. So this is a plus in her favor in a sense, since whomever Biden is going to nominate is going to be a far leftist. She's not known to be a very good negotiator, so she might not have influence over Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett and Roberts, hopefully Roberts. Um, She's not very good. Maybe she won't be persuasive of the squishes here. Now, she's 51 years old. All of these nominees who are the front runners are either in their 40s or 50s. And I think that this is what we can expect going forward. There's always going to be, it's never going to be someone that's in their 60s anymore. Because when a president appoints or nominates a Supreme Court justice, they want their legacy to be on the bench for a really long time. So the Senate did confirm, the Senate did confirm Ketanji Brown Jackson on a 53 to 44 vote. This is last June to serve on the Court of Appeals for the DC Circuit. So Susan Collins, Republican Susan Collins, Republican Lisa Murkowski, and Lindsey Graham, in addition to all the Democrats, voted to confirm her. So maybe that would be, maybe you will see Collins and Murkowski and Graham vote to confirm her again. I hope they don't, but this this is who we're talking about with Ketanji Brown Jackson. 
Now, the second, the second woman who I think is a more dangerous pick, dangerous meaning, dangerous to our constitution, would be Leandra Kruger. Leandra Kruger is a bitter partisan. She worked in the Obama Department of Justice for years. She currently serves on the California Supreme Court. She's 45 years old, so she's the youngest of the shortlisted potential nominees. She'd actually be the youngest justice on the Supreme Court if she were nominated and confirmed. She worked as an assistant solicitor general, meaning she argued cases in front of the Supreme Court in the Obama administration. But she she's very, very far left. And she's known to, not known to be a good, good negotiator, but she's argued in front of the Supreme Court. She knows how it works. She knows how to speak to the Supreme Court justices, meaning that there's indication that she would be a better negotiator behind the scenes. She has positions, or she's argued in front of the Supreme Court, some really shocking positions, um, a very far leftist view on religious liberty and the ministerial exception. Um, she's essentially argued in front of the Supreme Court in a, in a somewhat vague way, but argued against the ministerial exception, which is an assault on religious freedom and could transform our churches into nothing more than agents of woke politicians in our government. So that's Leandra Kruger, and I would say we would want her less than we would want Katanji Brown-Jackson. Then we have, and by the way, I don't think either of those two women are going to get the nominee. I know that they are the two that most media outlets are speculating would be the top two picks. I don't think it's going to be either of those two. I think it's going to be J. Michelle Childs. Now, J. Michelle Childs is actually the least qualified of these three women. She's also the oldest. She's 55 years old. She's uh, She was a federal district judge in South Carolina, but she was elevated to the D.C. Circuit Court a month ago, but her nomination is still pending. She has not been confirmed there. The reason that I think that J. Michelle Childs, who has very little a very small paper trail, I should say, not many rulings for us to determine how far left is she is. But the reason that I think that she is going to be the one is because Clyburn, Representative Clyburn, really, really wants J. Michelle Childs to be a Supreme Court justice. And as you remember, perhaps the reason that Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee, meaning the reason he won the Democratic primary in 2020 is because of Clyburn. Now, Clyburn is a powerful man. He is particularly powerful on racial issues. He's powerful and influential in the black community. And Biden really needs the black vote. He really needs to be in the good graces of Clyburn. And Clyburn is not afraid to cash in credit, meaning to go up to Joe Biden and essentially say, listen, I helped get you the nominee. I helped make you the president of the United States. Now this is what I want in return. So we shall see. We shall see. I do not have a crystal ball, but if I had to bet, I would bet that it's going to be J. Michelle Childs. Now, the reason that we go through each one of these three is because they're not they're not constitutionalists. They are, if anything, radical leftist partisans who've worked in politics before, who have a radical leftist ideology that they think it's their duty to impose on the court. That is not the job of a Supreme Court justice. But going back to what I said before about, about conservatives and political capital, this is what I think conservatives get wrong. This is what conservatives get wrong, is when they think they have a battle that they might lose, or just a battle that's unwinnable, maybe it's not even a loss, they don't fight it. And this is a huge mistake, because what conservatives should be doing right now, and by the way, this is also what conservatives should be doing when we win back the House of Representatives in, later this year, in 2022, in the midterms, and the Senate in these same midterms, when it's a Republican Congress versus a Democrat in the White House, Republicans 
should pass every single one of their agenda items. And they should send it to Biden, yes, knowing that Biden will veto it, but they should send it to him anyway to make him on record reject these things that the American people want, these, these policies that are in the interest of the American people. This not only paints Biden as being awful, leading up to the 2024 elections, it also puts on record every conservative and Republican who votes in favor of these agenda items, these Republican agenda items, and it puts on record, perhaps most importantly, every Democrat and every independent and every squishy Republican who votes against them. And that's one of the things that we have a problem with in the Republican Party is we have fighters with fire in their belly, and then we have squishes like Cheney, like Kinzinger, and we don't want to be voting in squishes. We don't want more McCarthy's in Congress. We want people who have fire in their belly, who are willing to hold corrupt politicians accountable, who aren't afraid of radical leftists and mainstream media attacks. And in order to be able to discern who is who before the moment of truth, we need to get them on record so that we know based on their actions, what they stand for, based on their actions, what their character is, based on their actions, whether or not you and I should vote for them. So Congress should do this, but right now, the Senate should do this when it comes to Joe Biden's nominee. The Senate should make sure that the American people, voters across the country, understand how radically leftist these women are, how their ideology is poisonous to our way of life. They should talk about jurisprudence of these women on abortion, they should talk about the jurisprudence of these women on the administrative state, which of course is the deep state. They should talk about the jurisprudence of these women on religious liberty, on free speech, on due process, on the second amendment. They should make a huge show of this. They should make sure that this is headlining across the country to expose the radical left. Because what have we learned in the past year and a half, except that the radical left has overshot their ideology, meaning the American people are not a radically left nation. If anything, we're more of a centrist nation. And when the radical left pushes the Green New Deal and Medicare for all and wealth tax and you know gun buybacks that aren't gun buybacks and COVID tyranny, the American people don't want that. The American people reject that. And so if we show, if the Senate, the US Senate, the Republicans in the US Senate don't think about political capital, don't even think about the fact that, well, the Senate has the votes for it, so this person's probably going to sit on the Supreme Court, no. If they think about this from the perspective of educating the American people to make sure that voters then reject this ideology when they have the chance at the ballot box, this is going to help us win these fights. This is going to help us win these fights. And so I challenge the US Senate, I charge the US Senate, do this, expose the radical leftist ideology. Don't dismiss this and shrug this off as a lost battle. Expose not only the racism coming from the Biden administration, the racial discrimination, the gender discrimination, the tokenism, the insult to women, the demeaning way in which Biden feels that he has to be a savior and elevate these women based on immutable characteristics instead of allowing their credentials to earn them spots that they deserve. Show the American people the truth about the nomination process, about the Biden administration, about the jurisprudence of each and every one of these women, each and every one of these nominees, no matter who it ends up being. Again, if we do this, then, then we will start to win these battles. All right, I do have a special offer today. It is a promo code for our Locals community. If you want to be a Locals VIP, and you do, you can use the promo code NOVAX, that is N-O-V-A-X, to uh, get a one month free trial on your annual subscription. That is Novax, N-O-V-A-X, 
to get a one-month trial, go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals. That's lizwheelershow.com slash locals. And honestly, you're going to want to do that right now because we have a VIP exclusive extended segment all about COVID. And my oh my, are you going to want to hear about these studies? That is Novax, N-O-V-A-X at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Join us over there because we're going to talk about some stuff that big tech won't let us discuss, that big tech will censor but not on locals. So that's where we talk about it. Okay. If you want to see the rest of this segment, hear everything that we're going to talk about, head on over to Locals, the Liz Wheeler Show community at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. See you there. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.